morning. morning. Awesome. You guys look great this morning. It's so good to see you. Let's try to say that word together. You think we can do it? No? All right, ready? One time. Everybody together. Sir Free Rendender. So when people ask you this morning, what'd you learn at church? You can say that, and then they think you know Greek or something, and they think you're, you know, super spiritual or whatever. I'm, uh, I'm Pastor Jared. I'm the youth pastor here at Whitley Church, and it's just a privilege to be here. I'm going to do a quick plug uh, as you guys came in this morning. And this is going to be a stumbling block for some of you, because I'm going to leave this up here the entire time this morning. Um, we have uh, Krispy Kreme donuts for sale in the uh, foyer. If you go out this way, they're $6 a dozen. And the money that we're using for this <clears throat> is going to be used to uh, help a family out that we're helping this coming Saturday for our T3 challenge. Many of you that came to Sunday Night Live, we told you we were going to be taking up an offering. That offering was going to be going to help a family. 20-second plug for that family. There's uh, grandparents who have five children that are taken care of because the dad left. The mom is uh, pretty much de brain dead. And so they have an 8, 10, 12, 16, and a 9-year-old. And they take care of this family in this small house. We went by there the other day. It's unbelievable. The floor's caved in. I mean, it's terrible. And so we have a huge group of people that are going this Saturday to replace floors, haul off stuff, and we're videoing it. And so you guys go ahead. Yeah, that's fine. And then we just want to be Jesus, and uh, we're going to video that and show that the 11th. So you might want to be here for that. That's the Sunday after Easter. We're going to hopefully show you that video and kind of everything that took place in that. So you can pick those up after um, the service. They're located here in the, um, in the foyer. So we've been in this series on worship. This is our third week now, and Pastor Farrell brought the message the first week, and Pastor Andy talked to us about worship and what that looks like on the the outside is in our daily lives and tonight we're, or this morning we're going to talk about a little bit different aspect of worship and worship what it looks like inside the four walls of the church now if you were to leave and go down the road it, I, I counted them up as I was sitting there there's five churches within a mile radius of Whitley Church and every church that you would go to you would see a different style of worship if you would sit in their service for the whole time, you would see that they have a different way of expressing themselves in worship. And our worship would be different than this one, and then this one, and then this one, and then went up a little bit further up the road. So I want to start off with a story that I heard about worship, about a guy who came to church with his family. And it says, as they were driving home afterwards, he just began to complain about everything. And he said the music was too loud, and the words on the screen were too slow. The sermon was too long, there were too many announcements, the building was hot, the people were unfriendly, and the coffee wasn't strong enough. That's a bad sign. He went on and on complaining about everything that was part of that worship service. And then finally, his observant son looked over at him and goes, Dad, now you've got to admit, it wasn't a bad show for a dollar. Some of y'all are laughing just because everybody else laughs. You're going to go home and go, oh, he put a dollar in the offering. I get it now. But I've had a chance to be a part of many different churches and, and, and uh, visit many churches because of the choir that I was in. I've been in Methodist, Presbyterian, Baptist, Episcopalian, Church of God, Pentecostal Holiness. The list goes on and on. And, and you grew up probably, I know most of you didn't grow up here at Whitley, and so you have some different type of background maybe. And... Uh, how you experienced worship as a kid growing up may have been a lot different than it is here. You know, you may have grown up with the preacher leading the choruses for the church. He stood up, he was the worship leader, and he was the pastor. Maybe you grew up where it was very formal and the choir wore robes and they sang. There was a big pipe organ and there was a piano and you sang and stood up and then you sat down and he preached and went home. Or maybe there was no type of worship service, no music at all. 
Maybe you grew up and there was much just like this. There was a band and there was this, the freedom in worship and maybe it was a little bit more charismatic. You went to a church, they were a lot more expressive and, and open in their worship. Or they have churches now called Generation X churches which target the younger crowds like the 20-something-year-olds and the music is really rock-based and the messages are relative to, to those types of things. So there's a variety of different worship things. And, and this has been this issue for a long time. It's this issue that you fight hymns versus, you know, contemporary or traditional versus contemporary. And it's kind of been back and forth, especially in the last five to ten years. And, and some churches are really, really heavy on worship. In other words, they spend like an hour in music. And some churches are really heavy on preaching. And so they sprint, spend most of the time on the preaching. But we see that people worship in many different, in many different ways. People raise their hands and are okay with that. And the Bible talks about raising their hands. You have people that are very open to singing and some people just aren't comfortable singing or maybe they're just insecure because they don't want people to hear them. You have people that jump. You know, in youth we get excited and people jump up and down and that kind of gets the momentum going. And yeah, um, mostly you see youth doing it. You do see some old people, hip, cool people, old people that do that. I was told Thursday night it's mature, mature people that do that. Um, but you do see that, people that get excited about Jesus and just and kind of bounce and jump up and down. And the Bible talks about dancing, and we hear how David danced before the Lord, and you know, how does that fit into worship? And maybe you grew up, nobody danced, nobody jumped, nobody clapped, and that's fine because we're going to see what that looks like in, in the Bible and kind of where all that fits in. And some people are just meditation-type worshipers. You know, they just like to sit before God, to be quiet, to be still, to be silent, and, and just let Him speak through Him, and, and the Bible talks about that as well. I've been to churches where people run, and, and you're like, you know, that would scare me, and if they're running, I'm going to start running, because either somebody's chasing them or the building's on fire, and so maybe that's not been your comfort level, um, you know, growing up, you have never experienced that. Um, we believe in instruments, that's why we have them up here at the bridge, we love that. I attended a church service one time, it was kind of different, I will say that. The church was pink, the whole outside was building, got my attention, I thought, hey, this is contemporary, we're going in here. Walked in, there's fish aquariums everywhere. Didn't know that they allowed you to bring any instrument you wanted as part of the congregation and just join right in with the band. And so when I walk in and see this guy on the back row with his guitar and his banjo and his case open, I thought, am I supposed to throw money in here or what, you know? And so the music started, they're getting into it, man, they're happy. It was kind of one of those like, lovey, you know, like, and they start playing and kind of clashed. It's very distracting. And I just remember that the worship team started singing they incorporated it somewhere. I wish I could remember the song, Take Me to the River, Drop Me in the Water. And the worship team was doing the swim. <laughs> I promise you. And I had some family here from Tennessee last week, and I mean, uh, last night. And they, you know, they were from Tennessee, so they know where that church is. But it was different. We never went back, but um, it, was, it was definitely different. But no matter how you would categorize yourself when it comes to worshiping God, one thing is undeniable. Every person in here, no matter what background, no matter what you believe, here's one thing that we can say is truth for all of us, is that every person in here has been called by God to worship Him. Every person. We've been created to pay deep, sincere appreciation and admiration and love and fear and respect to the God who created us. And this couple who came to the bridge we had the privilege of eating um, with them. They drove out of 45 minutes out of town and they were visiting. And they just began to tell us about some churches that they had visited. And he, he shared this one experience that I wanted to tell you about. He said, we went to this church, it was a small church in our town, as we were looking, he said, I should have known as I came to the doors of the church, and there was a poster of a guy that had a, he was just a normal looking guy, had an earring and a tattoo, and the, the headline for the poster says, do you know someone like this? And at the bottom it says, they need Jesus. 
And he's pretty much saying, if you have a tattoo and you have an earring in your ear, then you're not saved and you need Jesus. He said, I didn't really think about it because I had an earring in my ear. But I walked right on in there. He said, and here they are. They start the worship service. Everybody gets into it, and they're very expressive. He said, I grew up Catholic. My wife grew up Baptist. This was not our comfort level at all. So we're standing there like, oh, my goodness, you know, and everybody's getting into it. He said, and the pastor looks directly at me, sees me, and grabs the microphone and goes, stop the music. And he stops the music, and he goes, we have sinners in our presence today. He said, you talk about feeling low if I could have got out of there at that moment. He said, and when they prayed, he said, me and my wife packed right up. He said, because he looked right at me and was just like, we got sinners in our presence today. As if all of them were just so holy, right? So today I want us to try to understand this, this aspect and, and this topic of worship in our lives. And as we read the Bible, there's so many words associated with that. Sacrifice. We've talked about that. We've talked about humility and thanksgiving and joy and singing and responding. And what I was going to talk about... Um, God, on Thursday morning, I just, he, he said, I want you to change your message. And this only happened one other time, and I promise, because the more I tried to work on it, the more he was just leading me in another direction. So I had to give the guys the words to the, um, the sermon notes on the slides late, and I apologized to them for that. But I just felt God kind of shifted in a different direction, because I was going to say, you know, how does hand raising, how does singing, how does clapping and all that stuff, how does that fit inside our, our four walls of the church? And, and I felt God saying, you know what, that, that's great and all, and the Bible talks about that, but that's a result of something bigger. He, he, I feel like he was just saying that all that comes, and, and the meditation and all that comes for something bigger. That's not the, the, the end product, that's not the beginning. Knowing me and, and knowing some things will cause all of those other things to come. So that's what I want us to, to focus on today. Because everything that you and I do has a purpose or a goal, spoken or unspoken. Think about it, if you go to a kid's baseball game or families. A sporting event, why do you go? You go to support them, you go to encourage them, you go to make them feel good, to have a good time as a, as a family, sorry. Why do you go on vacation? To get relaxed and refreshed and have fun. That's the purpose of that, to get away. Work, to, to make money and, and support your family and going out to eat, to fulfill that desire, that hunger inside of you so that you can do all those other things. But when we think about church, when we think about the word worship, what is the purpose and the goal of that? Because I believe this, that how we worship inside of church is based on things that happen way before we ever step foot in the front door. I felt God really tell me this, you know, what we put into worship will ultimately determine what we get out of worship. But here's the thing about worship, it's influenced by so many factors, and we're going to see this in a second. That our feelings and how we feel when we come in, maybe you woke up and just in a bad mood this morning, and so you come in, and you, for you this morning, it's just, you know, you're singing, and it's just kind of going through it, because our feelings carry over into how we worship God. Knowing the lyrics to the song, as a worship leader, you know, this is a passion for me, and I, and I love this topic, but whether you know the lyrics to the song or not, it's hard to get into sometimes, because you're just learning it, and you're like, all right, yeah, you know, and you're singing, awesome is the Lord most high, and you've never heard it before, so it's hard for you to engage into that time. Maybe if the music's too loud or, or an instrument sounds bad, it, it just takes your focus and distraction off of it and you can't really worship God. But if you know a song you, and everybody's singing, it's a familiar one, it's easy to engage into it. But probably the one that carries over more than anything is this. The things that we carry on as we come in, our family situation, if somebody in our family's sick, our finances, and all those things that we deal with on a day-to-day -day basis, they all carry over into the church and they affect our worship for God. So here, before we read the scriptures this morning, I want us to pray that God would just open up our hearts and our minds to hear everything that we need to hear, get everything that we can out of this, and maybe challenge us this morning as we think about our own lives and how we worship. So would you pray with me?
Lord, we just thank you for this day, God. What an awesome, beautiful day. It feels like summer, and you gave us breath in our lungs this morning to just come and, and be with you in your presence. And realize there's many people from many different backgrounds here this morning. Many people have grown up with things that they come in here and might feel uncomfortable, God. But we know what your word says. And we know how your word says that, that all those things kind of fit in somewhere. And so we want to understand, God. But ultimately understand this this morning, that it's not about an action. It's not about an expression. It's about the heart. Lord, and when our heart's right, God, everything else will flow out of that. So we just pray, God, that you'd open up our hearts this morning to receive your words. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. First point this morning is this. For us to truly worship, we must understand who God is and what we're not. Because I think all of us have this view of what God is like. Whether it's because we learned it growing up in church or in our own personal lives, we grow up with this idea of what God is like. So I want us to turn to Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 5. And if you've grown up in church or maybe you've read this on your own, this is Isaiah talking. And it says in verse 1, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on a throne, high and exalted, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Now this is so significant because here's the thing. King Uzziah was a great leader at that time. And much like America, when you have a great leader, the people are doing well. And so they're happy about that. Bad leader, things in the country and everything are going bad. And so here he says, you know, here's this king who's so good and everything's going good for the people. And now he's dead. It's like, what do we do? He said, and I looked up and I saw that God was still on the throne. And he was high and he was exalted. And it says, above him were seraphs, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth, the whole earth is full of his glory. And here's this supernatural being so holy that they have to cover their faces and their feet. And they're flying because he's so holy. And maybe we don't have that image, that representation that God is that big and he is that great. I mean, to rush right into his presence so many times without thinking. And we're going to look at that in just a second. And then it goes on, it says this. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the thresholds shook and the temple was filled with smoke. And then Isaiah just recognized, because the Bible talks about where light is, there can be no darkness. And he recognizes that he is a sinner and that God is in his presence and he immediately cries I don't think he went woe is me in verse 5 he was like he cried woe to me because he realized that this holy supernatural being is there in his midst and he says I am ruined I'm dead I'm finished I'm done for I'm a man of unclean lips I thought that's all he has just unclean lips right and he goes on and says, And I've been living among people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. And he sees God in all his fullness, and he's just blown away. Maybe the, his, his representation of God wasn't that great, and he didn't understand how big God is and how insignificant that he was. Because, you know, whether it be because of our parents or something we learn in, in Bible school or whatever, we all have this view of what God is and we, and we box him in. 
And so I was going on the internet the other week, and I found this video, and I've watched it, I can't even tell you how many times, and it just blows me away more and more. But I want you to take a look at this. This is Francis Chan, and it's called The All Factor of God, and it just kind of really puts into perspective how small and insignificant that you and I are. Take a look at this. What, what, what you're seeing right now. First of all, this is the earth, okay? Just, just, you're taking off from the earth from Southern California, and we're going we're gonna to rise up for a little bit here, okay? We're going to pull away from it. We're going to pull higher. Now, this is at about 10 kilometers. Like, if you climb Mount Everest, this is what you'd see. You'd see the curvature of the earth from that distance. Now, you're going to, we're going to climb up even higher. This is at 100 kilometers. And you're a fourth of the way to the space station now. This is what you'd see. If you get to this level, you're considered an astronaut. Just, if you ever get there. Okay, now, we're going 100,000 kilometers. 100,000 kilometers from the Earth, you're a fourth of the way to the moon, that's what the Earth would look like. Now we're going to pull away to a million kilometers. At a million kilometers, there's the moon. Okay? There's the moon. You can barely see the Earth. You're at a million kilometers now. You're past the, past the moon. And uh, now we're going to go to 100 million kilometers. 100 million kilometers. You're still not to the sun. The sun's 93 million miles away. But now we're going to go to 10 trillion kilometers. Ten, there's the sun. Okay. You just passed the sun. Now you would see all of the planets at 10 trillion kilometers. And now we're at 10 to the 15th power. That means 10 with 15 zeros. I don't know what that number is. 15 zeros. And the sun's just like a bright dot amidst other stars. And now we're going to 10 light years away. At 10 light years away... Come on, let's go. Zoom, there you go. Ten light years away. Now you just see the sun with like 11 other stars that are kind of its neighbors. You know, that, 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 that's our sun. And now we're going to go a thousand light years away. At a thousand light years away, you, you wouldn't even see our sun anymore. These are just a bunch of stars close to it in this cluster inside the Milky Way. Now we're going to zoom out even further. And that's the Milky Way we live in. See that cluster of stars? Those are about 100,000 stars that are closest to our sun. You can't see our sun anymore at this point. Now this is our Milky Way galaxy. Forget about the Earth. Okay, there's our Milky Way galaxy that we live in. Um, and we're just buried in there somewhere. And we're going to pull out even further. And you'll see that our galaxy is actually, it's, it's a big galaxy. And, uh, and all those other things you're seeing now are galaxies. And we're going to pull away 10 million light years now. His next scene is 10 million light years. Those are all galaxies you see amidst our Milky Way. Several hundred galaxies. Now we're going to go 100 million light years away. This is the last one. We're going to zoom out to 100 million light years. Those are all clusters of galaxies. Galaxies and clusters of galaxies. You won't even see our Milky Way galaxy anymore amidst that. I saw that and I was like, we built a birdhouse and we think we're something, right? I mean, because our view on God, I was like, talk about boxing him in. I mean, he is way bigger and greater than you and I think and can even imagine. I looked at that and I was like, man, there, there's got to be some other people like us walking around somewhere or something. I don't know. 
but, but to see God and, and understand who he is and what we're not will help us in our perspective on worship. A second thing is this. The depth of our worship begins before you and I ever step foot into this church. Before we ever step foot on the stage and before in our seats, the depth and how real and how much we will express or just devote our hearts to God takes place before we ever get out of the car. I mean, it's, it's so many factors. And this is what Solomon says in Ecclesiastes 5.1. He says, guard your steps when you go to the house of God. Go near to listen rather than to offer sacrifice of fools who do not know that they do wrong. Do not be quick with your mouth. Do not be hasty in your heart to utter anything before God. God is in heaven and you are on earth. So let your words be few. In other words, he was saying, protect your steps. Guard your steps before you come into this place. He says, and don't go and rush right in because that's what a fool does. He says, a wise person understands that God is in heaven and we're here on earth. So let your words be few. But here's what happens so many times. And I've been a part of this. We come right into the worship service. Maybe we come at the end of the first song and we try to rush right in, jump right into God's presence and we begin to make confessions and we begin to ask for forgiveness and we begin, you know, that whole thing of repenting or try to sing and get into it. And we rush right in and we go, I just didn't really feel anything this morning. I, I don't know. I mean, it was, it was okay for me, but I, I just I didn't really feel anything this morning. And so we, we take the time before we come in and say, God, just prepare my heart for what you want to do today. Because God doesn't want to do something the same he did every week. He's new every morning. And we can't rely on those things that got us by last week because he wants to give us something new. And so I think that there's this thing about, you know, before we come to church, just getting on our knees before God and saying, look, I, I understand that I'm going to be, you know, in your presence and, and that you want to do something amazing. And look, I've got all these things in my life and dealing with my family, but I just want to take a moment, God, to just, just spend some time with you and, and ask that you'd open my heart. And I think when he sees us on that position and that posture, that he looks down and goes, they sincerely, truly want and desire me this morning. So that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to come down and I'm going to minister to them. David says in Psalm 89.7, he says, God is greatly to be feared in the assembly of the saints and to be held in reverence by all those around him. I think that's what we need to do to understand who God is and, and have reverence for him because let's just be honest, right? Let's just be honest this morning. How many times we, you know, I'm, I love to sleep late. I, hit, I set my alarm three times this morning. I kept hitting it, right? Set it enough time for me to get prepared before I came in so I didn't, wouldn't be a hypocrite. But just wanted to let you guys know that. But we set our alarms late. And when we get up, we got to rush through the shower and we got to get ready, got to get in the car, got to get the kids out. Some of you got three or four kids. So that's a, that's a whole job in itself, getting them out and getting them ready. And so you got to rush in, you got to go get them checked in to kids' church, right? And then that might take a little while, and then you got to come in, you got to go get your coffee that the lid doesn't stay on good, and then you come in to church, you know, and so many times we come in, and look, I understand there's circumstances. Some of you come straight from work, and you rush right in, but here's the thing that God's saying, to make sure you take time before you come and try to rush right into my presence, just to spend some alone time with me. Because I know I've missed the first song, the second song sometimes, and we come right in, and I go, I don't just walk away and go, I didn't really, wasn't, I didn't feel anything this morning. And why is that? Why is that? So just taking 10 minutes and asking God to refresh us would do so much in our time of worship together. The third thing is this, the lower that we make ourselves, 
the higher that God is lifted up in our life. And as I was reading, there's just this idea about bowing down and getting low before God that you read throughout the scriptures. And it talks about worse from just making yourself, humbling yourself and getting low before him. And Moses in Exodus 34 we see this, uh, this picture of Moses and he's going to get the, the commandments again because he comes down and the, the people had turned away from God again and they get broken and that whole deal. And so in verse uh, 4 through 8 of Exodus 34, here's Moses and he's going back up again to get these tablets. And God tells him, don't bring anybody and don't put any animals or anything in front of the mountain. He says, because I'm going to be there and God's holy. And so Moses in verse 4 goes out and chisels out two stone tablets like the first ones and went up on Mount Sinai early in the morning as the Lord had commanded him. And he carried the two stone tablets in his hand. Then the Lord came down in the cloud and stood there with him and proclaimed the name, the Lord. And he passed in front of Moses proclaiming, the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion and sin. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sin of their fathers to the third and fourth generations. That's like a whole sermon series in itself. But he says he understands that, that God's presence was there. And when he did, he fell to his face in verse 8 and says, Moses bowed to the ground at once and he worshiped. And he got down on his face because he knew that God was going to be there. And God is here this morning. And he's here when we invite him in. And so we need to get on our face in our times before him to prepare ourselves. And David understood this too in 1 Chronicles 29, 20. And he tells the whole assembly, he says, praise the Lord your God. And so they all praised the Lord, the God of their fathers, and they bowed low and fell prostrate before the Lord and the King. And they got on their face because there's something about that that can't be replaced by anything else. And maybe... For you, you just never, ever took the time just to just get on your knees, maybe in your bedroom, or sitting out in your car before you come in, just cutting the radio off and just sitting there for, for a few moments and talking with God, just leaving some worship music on, not even, not even talking, not even speaking, but just listening and meditating on Him. Because when we think about the generosity of Jesus and what He did for us, and the pain that our sin and affliction caused to Him on the cross, just ask ourselves this question, are we over-generous with our worship? Or do we merely just meet the, the standard and what's required of us? Because I've heard this saying so many times, and I've said it, I didn't get anything out of worship. I, I didn't get anything out of that message today. How many people have ever heard somebody, or you've said that before? Would you be honest this morning, put your hand up? Right. So you've said, I just didn't really get anything out of that. But then we have to be honest with ourselves. How much time did we prepare ourselves for? How much time did we put in to let God move in us? Because if we stand here, if we, if we sit in the pew and we just sing the songs off the screen and we clap at the end of the song, we bow our head when they say bow our head and we go home and our hearts not move, then really nothing's happened. And listen to what Isaiah says in 29, Isaiah 29, 13. He says, these people come to me, near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me and their worship of me is made up only of rules taught by men. And how many times I think have I stood right here in the center with the microphone and just sang and felt nothing. And I was like, God, forgive me for those times where I've rushed right in. Because I, I haul my music equipment in. I get here at 7 o'clock and at the bridge it's like 4. Some of y'all are still asleep and 
we wish we were there with you, but we're, we go through the motions, and by the time it comes, countdown kicks in, we sing, we walk off the stage, and we're like, I just didn't feel anything. And then I was like, I never really prepared myself. And it reminded me of the story that I heard about a man that went to church with an angel as his guide. It says, every seat in the church was filled, but there was something strange about the service. The organist moved her fingers over the keys, but no music came from its pipes. The choir rose to sing, and their lips moved, but no sound was to be heard. And then the preacher stepped up to the pulpit to read the scriptures. But the man observing when the angel could not even hear the rustle of the pages. And the Lord's Prayer was recited by the entire congregation, but not a single syllable was audible. The preacher went again to the pulpit, and the man could tell that he had started his sermon because he had gestured here and there, trying to make his various points, but nothing was to be heard. Turning to the angel, the man said, I, I don't understand. What does this mean? I see that a service is being held, but I hear nothing. The angel replied, you heard nothing because there's nothing to be heard, at least not by heaven's ears. They're just going through the motions. Nothing they're doing has any meaning at all because worship without heart isn't worship at all. Because there is or there never will ever be a substitute for our worship to God. We come here in the preaching, most of the time it's for us, we want to go, what can we get out of that? And our prayers so many times are focused on us and like, you know, God forgive me, help me in this situation, yada, yada, yada. And then we come through here and we, we miss the time of worship and our one time for us to just bless God and not us be blessed. I mean, we get blessed when we bless God, but our one time to devote time to Him, so many times we just skip it. And maybe you're coming here and I, I don't mean, if this offends you, I'm sorry, but maybe you just skip the worship because you don't like it. Hopefully you're having your own worship time where you're responding and giving back to God at the same time. And it never will be achieved worship, true worship, by taking shortcuts. Our whole life is made up of shortcuts. When we take a trip, we want to find a shortcut. When we're at work, is there a quicker way we can do it? If we're building something, is there a faster, easier way? But when it comes to worship, there's only one thing that we can do. And that's full, total abandonment, total sacrifice. There's no shortcuts when we come before God. Because if we don't give God our best, we put, we put three hours in at the gym, we go to tanning bed, we get our hair done, and all that's great, and that's fine, nobody's knocking that. You can tell I don't work out. But you put all that time in, you put reading magazines and books into your hobbies, and I do that too. There's things that I love to do, and recreation, and put time into your work to make yourself better at what you do, and then we come and we're just wiped out on Sunday. We come in and it's like, all right, and we give all that time and our energy to everything else. But when it comes here and we don't give anything to God, it's like we just give God leftovers. And we go, here's what's left. That's for you. And when we do that, we do exactly what it talks about in Malachi 1, 6 through 8, if you want to read it in your own time. It talks about these people coming to me and they just show contempt for my name. And what he was saying is they pretty much despise me they have no reverence for me, no honor for me because they bring these blind sacrifices, these crippled sacrifices. They don't give me their best and they just come and they're going through the motions. And so I think, I think God would look down and go, you know what, I want your heart this morning. And all those other things, you know, the meditation, the prayer, the hand raising, the clapping, you know, and all that stuff, that, that's gonna, that'll be there, but you gotta come and you gotta get real with me first. So we need to understand who God is and what we're not. 
We need to prepare ourselves before we ever step foot in this sanctuary. And we need to bow low and get on our face because I believe that then God would look down and go, they're ready. They're ready. And we would fill them in a brand new way. So if you would, just bow your head right now. And let's pray together. Lord, I, I, I know that I've been convicted and I'm just trying to be transparent this morning about how many times that I've just come and gone through the motions. Lord, and I believe that you want to just wake us up because our little box that we put you in, Lord, I know you want to just blow the doors off of that. Lord, and we don't want to rely on past things that took place. We want to experience you in a fresh way, God. Lord, and we don't want our worship to be leftovers, God. We don't want to just go through the motions and sing the songs and clap and bow our heads, God. We want to be moved by your power and by your Holy Spirit. And when we leave and we get in our car, we go, I experienced God this morning. And my heart was changed. So if you're here this morning, maybe you grew up in a different background. Your idea of worship was just maybe rules taught by men never fully experienced God. Say, I want to I get more. I want it when we sing the songs, I want it to feel like. I just say to you, you just keep seeking and searching God. And he'll reveal himself. If you're here this morning and maybe you've just gotten away from God. Maybe you've just been going through the motions and maybe you've drifted away in your walk with him. He's here this morning. He's saying, come back. Turn back to me. And he will rush in like a flood. But if you're here this morning and you've never asked Jesus into your heart, you've never asked him to be your personal Lord and Savior, if you'll pray this prayer and mean it in your heart this morning, God will come in and he'll change your life. And you'll know that you have eternity with him in heaven. So if you would this morning, repeat this after me. If you want to know Jesus as your Savior. If you want to become a Christian, you just say, Heavenly Father, I ask you in the moment. I recognize that you died for me and I'm tired of running. And God, I pray that you'd wake me up. Forgive my sins. Wash me. Cleanse me. And change me. When I leave this place, that I will honor you with my lips in my heart. And if you prayed that this morning for the first time and you came back to God, would you be bold enough to acknowledge that by putting your hand up and putting it right back in? I saw that hand. The says that when one person is Jesus coming up, a party. So let's give God praise this morning for the Thank you guys for being here. Um, don't forget, there's so many things to check out in the worship program. Krispy Kreme donuts to help the family out as you leave on the way left. Y'all have a great week. We'll see you again Wednesday night. Also, also if you're new with us, don't forget the Guest Welcome Center back here. Uh, we have a gift for you. We'd like to meet you, answer any questions you may have, just directly behind you in the overflow. Thank you.